Welcome to the first episode of That's So dot dot dot. Today I'm joined by Morgan McKenzie-Moore from How to Celiac. And we are discussing Telemark's documentary titled Gluten-Free. I'm so glad to be here again. I feel so special, so honoured. But obviously, Morgan, you are from the YouTube channel, the Instagram, the blog. The TikTok now, because we had to jump on that trend. (laughs) Of course, the TikTok. And you're blowing up over there as well. You're doing so well. Way too (laughs) over it. Do not fit in. (laughs) I love how on Instagram you come back and you're like, oh my God, you guys, the TikTok comments are so bad. Terrific. Like, I don't know if it's just because obviously it gets seen by a lot more people, but I guess it gets seen by a lot more people that don't have anything to do with celiac disease. It just gets through the algorithms, just get pushed. And so you get the weirdest things like comments like, well, you should try eating wheat again because actually you might find that it's gone away or like it's just the way that it's processed. And actually a lot of these, when we were watching what we're going to talk about today, a lot of those came up direct like myth busting like fact busting things that people say and you can sort of get a get a feel as to why people have these opinions it's just been a little bit misconstrued but yeah oh my god it's like at the start it annoyed me (laughs) but now it's kind of like fuel for the fire because it actually gives me content to like laugh and make fun of because we hear it all the time and it's kind of you just have to laugh about it I'll get the facts out of the way so everybody knows what we're talking about We both watched the documentary called Gluten Free. It's directed by Bailey Pryor and it is produced under the umbrella company of Tallymark Films. It was just under an hour documentary. It was super easy to watch. I think it was done in 2017, so it is a little bit dated visually. That was what I was going to ask. I forgot to Google when it was made and I was getting, I mean, from the vibes, I was getting like 2012, like. Yeah, should I actually, I'll do a live Google right now because I need to fact check myself on that one. But everything was up to date, like the facts and stuff. It was just that visually it did look a little bit older. And it was very dramatic how it started. It was. It was. It started with this lady who was, I and like, I still don't know her name. I went back through the documentary to try and find her name, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I think she's the president of like a yeah. USA celiac thing. Yeah. A committee or something. And she <laughs> said it took 23 doctors to 20. diagnose her with celiac. And it was eventually the family vet that was like, hey, animals sometimes have problems digesting wheat. Maybe this is you. Imagine getting like your diagnosis from your vet. I know. I'm glad someone told her though, because that must have been a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. I still can't find when it was done, but I'm pretty sure I read 2017. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It had a little bit, it had like an older sort of stock footagey feel to it that, but the information, nothing was like outdated or. Yeah. Yeah, it was really up to date. It was mind boggling Mm. to me that so many of these people in this documentary, it took so long for them to get diagnosed with celiac because I guess my only point of reference is 
our chat, like the chat with you, and it didn't yeah. take you very long to get yeah. diagnosed celiac. Not at all. And it seems like it's either one of two ways. You, It looks like just from the celiacs that I talked to, it's either they went to a doctor and a doctor thought of it first, like, hey, let's test you for this. As mine did, they thought you probably have IBS, but let's test you for celiac disease anyway, because that's something that you could also have. Or it just never comes up and it goes years and years and issues just get worse and worse and people just have an absolutely horrific time trying to get a diagnosis, trying to find out what's wrong with them, which is what we saw in the documentary as well. Like just how horrible not knowing why you're feeling all of these different and sometimes seemingly unrelated symptoms can just be like, oh, how draining. And I, I feel incredibly lucky that I was able to get diagnosed, you know, within a few days pretty much I said I've got a sore stomach they were like get the blood test yeah got the blood test like that come back positive get the endoscopy got that after about a month and yeah and then I was sent on my merry way <laughs> I like you have celiac disease okay bye I'm like, okay yeah cool. <laughs> and one lady was saying like how she just gave up eating because she could so oh my tell god yeah that food was doing mm-hmm. this to her yeah she had such oh. a negative relationship with food that it, mm. she, just didn't, she ate baby food in the end is what she was saying I felt so bad for her she was saying like that she had been something interesting that she said that I wrote down because I was like I didn't realize that this could possibly be a symptom but obviously failure to thrive in childhood is a symptom of celiac disease because you're not getting enough nutrients so um, oh. things like that you could be short I'm quite short which is interesting but I don't think that my celiac started until I was like 16 so I don't know if that I can blame celiac disease on how short I yeah. am <laughs> um, but like being pale um, stuff like that just failure to thrive which is a weird way to put it I found but she said that she'd always had these symptoms through childhood and she mentioned like always being sick which was something that I always was as a kid as well but she also mentioned always spraining wrists and I was like I don't know that that might be related to celiac disease but maybe it is through like because it can affect you neurologically yeah which we're seeing more and more these days is they're like looking at the relationship between how celiac disease um affects your like cognitive function Mm -hmm. and so maybe if you are like just you're having those issues maybe you do find yourself falling over and spraining your wrist quite often but yeah it was an interesting one to point out like, yeah it was a bit random <laughs> need to look into that yeah <laughs> oh and she said of course um that a lot of doctors go straight to IBS like as a diagnosis yeah and then she was like that feel just that just felt like an umbrella of something's wrong with you mm. and your stomach and we don't know what it is and you find that with a lot of like these stomach issue problems like like a lot of people get IBS and it's like actually no it's Crohn's yeah I think the biggest thing that stuck out for me in this documentary mm-hmm. was when mm-hmm. um I think it was yes it was Stefani Gondalini who is a doctor at the University of Chicago Celiac Disease Center yeah and he said because they were breaking down what celiac is and some myths about it all yes they were trying to unpack well why are people celiac now and not they weren't back in the day and I have a idea and I was thinking this idea and then they were like 
could it be because the way that we process wheat changed? Mm. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's why it is. And then he's like, that is a myth. That is not true. And that's (laughs) so common. That's such a common myth. Um, It was interesting. I, he, I don't, once again, we think this documentary came out in 2017, but at the time, there has been no genetically modified wheat yeah. as well. So that could also go into, like you say, how it's processed, but another side of that parallel to that is like it could be modified, mm. but there actually is no genetically modified wheat that is for sale for people to eat in yeah. any country around the world. So that I thought that was quite interesting as well. So that's like, you, yeah, a lot of people blame a lot of things on genetically modified food and mm. I'm sure there are issues that come with stuff like that but I wouldn't know about it but it's it's not to do with celiac disease yeah and as they said it's been around for they think it's been around since agriculture like we started humans became agriculturers yeah <laughs> agriculturers is that the word yeah about 10,000 years ago when they settled down and were like hey let's grow wheat and that's when they think celiac disease yeah had started which is amazing. And they also thought that maybe it's because as humans we eat more gluten mm. now with the evolution of fast food type things. Mm. But then when they yes. actually broke down how much wheat was being consumed yeah. back in the 20s or the 30s or whatever, they were like, yeah. no, they were eating more back Yeah, then. they were. We actually yeah. eat less gluten now. Yeah. So it's not it's not a case of more gluten. It's not a case, case of the gluten being processed or changed. But yeah, it, it just seems, I don't know if they actually came to a conclusion about that because it is one of those questions that they're still really looking into. And as it was... Dr. Stefano Guadalini and Dr. Fasano. He was also yeah, Alessio Fasano. That's the one, and he he's, he's from the, the Massachusetts General Hospital. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Throwing and, a little fact there, <laughs> and they were saying that the two main questions that they need to answer to understand celiac disease more is why can people tolerate gluten. And then what makes people stop tolerating gluten? Yeah, because it can happen at any time of your life. Any point. You could test negative, 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 and then when you're 80, you could test positive for celiac disease. Ugh, what a nightmare. Yeah. What a hard thing to diagnose. I think it's like when they find the answer to that, that's when they'll know yeah. why we have yeah. celiac disease. It would, Yeah, it would be a lot easier to get people diagnosed, I think, when they know that. I was actually, I Googled Dr. Fasano just to read like what he's doing nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he is really focusing more on that question. Oh, that's cool. He was talking about environmental factors and they don't have a definitive why do. Well, it could be, obviously you can have a genetic predisposition to getting celiac disease. Doesn't necessarily mean you will get it. And there are cases of people who don't have it, don't have the genetic makeup that would predispose them to celiac disease, they actually end up getting it. It's a smaller percentage. But mm. but he was talking, yeah, about the environmental factors. And I just think that, that whatever research comes out about that, I think is going to be very fascinating and very telling, and not just for celiac disease, but a lot of autoimmune conditions and why that they suddenly trigger and start. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'd say it interconnects with a lot of those as well. Dr. Fasano did this really beautiful explanation of the immune system, mm. and I couldn't help but think of one of your latest... <laughs> videos that has come out about the immune system 
And when he was explaining oh. it, I just had you as the immune system in my brain. <laughs> oh, I really give, I really personify our immune system as like, I don't do it very nicely. <laughs> I think I give it a bit of a bad rap because I know it's, I know our immune systems work so hard to do things, but. Um, Mine's a little shit. <laughs> yeah, yours in particular, <laughs> nasty. Um, I just, I just think it gets a little confused yeah. in a, like in a comedic way. Like it's easy to explain that is like your immune system has suddenly decided to do something else and we don't know why but it just has yeah (laughs) but yeah I remember thinking when I was watching it when they were trying to say like well why do we get autoimmune diseases Mm. and they were trying to unpack a bunch of these things and I was just sitting there like I don't enjoy when people have the conversation about trying to find a reason why we have an autoimmune disease. Like they were saying, oh, perhaps it's because children didn't play in enough dirt when they were young. And I was like, don't blame my mum and dad for not putting me in dirty, unhygienic situations. Like it is no one's fault that this has happened to me. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. It's funny. I agree. But I understand that with more research, that is probably... A beneficial thing so that maybe in the future no one gets an autoimmune disease that would be awesome mm. I don't wish it upon anybody no. yeah. but yeah I just felt really shit in that moment where I was like oh, I don't want to know I don't want to know I what know. I did wrong don't You're blame so me right. but it could be external factors as well and we can blame something else <laughs> That's true. like I don't know what now I missed this part but I wrote it down to ask if you'd remembered it mm-hmm. but they were talking about people in the war like back in the 19... 19- 40s or something and they said that they had there was like some sort of statistic that they were maybe I was watching something else that they took their they had their blood samples yeah I can't remember this exact part but it was very interesting to see that like their environmental factors or I don't know something traumatic happening meant that they were more likely to be diagnosed with an autoimmune condition but I don't know that for certain so I might have to rewatch. Um. Yeah, it was super fascinating in that moment when they were talking about someone has like saved blood samples of people that were in the military. Yes. And how good. Yeah, for like decades in a freezer yeah. somewhere in the United States. And they were able to test these blood samples. That's right. Um, for celiac and to see whether like men in those days actually had celiac disease. Mm. and then they compared the percentages of men nowadays and whether they have celiac disease or mm. not and they didn't have celiac disease back then right the the percentage was quite low but I remembered it being so fascinating yeah that the documentary took this turn and suddenly it was like yeah, blood samples from people in the olden days like whoa it's so cool that they've like thought to keep those because that's not nothing that's something that it would never have crossed my mind but they've got those vaults. Yeah, I want to do yeah. that. Like a time decided, I'm like for blood. Yeah, like keep, I want to, I don't know, it just really inspired me to donate yeah. my body <laughs> to science if I die, when I die. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> dissect me up, see what's wrong. <laughs> Speaking of dying, oh. something that they did talk quite a bit about yeah. in the documentary was the difference between celiac disease and gluten intolerance. Oh, yes. And they is. were like, the big difference is that you can die from celiac. Yeah, it's not. It's interesting to hear like that because obviously you don't think, you don't immediately think celiac disease, death. 
like you do that with some other conditions no because I was like Morgan <laughs> do you sit there in your apartment in London and think about dying like is this a thing uh, I don't, that celiacs no. actually think about I don't and it's lucky because that doesn't happen if you eat gluten-free like that's just yeah they're like cool sorted we you're not going to go down that path it's more that if you keep continuing to eat gluten and you're undiagnosed or you're diagnosed and just choose to keep eating gluten for some reason mm. you will you're you'll just have a really poor quality of life and because you won't be able to be absorbing nutrients and you'll just yeah you'll just eventually die there's different types of cancers that can start because of it and it just seems like horrific and perhaps like a not necessarily like a slow process of just having a poor quality of life that would probably end in like an early earlier death than you may maybe would have had you not eaten gluten and it is funny to hear it like that because something that you get asked when you go to restaurants when you say I can't eat this and they're like they're sort of they or people sort of ask you know will you die like if you have this will (laughs) you go into anaphylactic shock will you need to go to hospital and die because that's what they like rate the importance of like whether this specific food gets in your meal or not and it's kind of hard to explain (laughs) like no but eventually I will like we all will die but I might die sooner if I continue to eat gluten not that I'm going to but you know like it's not going to be a good thing and people just want to know about the short-term side effects and it's yeah it's a conversation that's always fun to get into with some white stuff. <laughs> yeah, they were talking in the documentary that gluten-free, I say with bunny rabbit quotation mark fingers, <laughs> yeah. is everywhere at the moment. And it's definitely mm-hmm. popular and it's great that a lot of restaurants and cafes are, you know, trying to f- cater mm. for gluten-free but that that's not necessarily a good thing because yeah. people were just shoving gluten-free on the menu thinking that they're ticking this box, yeah. but no celiac can actually eat there because of all the cross-contamination. Yeah, they're just not serving it correctly. Like That was one of the most shocking facts to me in this documentary was that they were asking chefs to <gasps> name the three different grains that I contain know. gluten and like most of them couldn't. And you're like, oh my goodness me. And that yeah, and <laughs> I'm so lucky to live in London and have all of these strictly gluten-free restaurants that I can visit. So like I feel safe. But oh my god, no one like barely any other cities in the world. There might be a few high, like largely populated cities that are also like this. But there are no there's nowhere else in the world that you can have so much choice. So you have to go to these restaurants and you have to be eating food from these like chefs that might not really know to the extent yeah. what your dietary requirement means and that's that's really worrying yeah and I think some of those restaurants where those chefs were from like said that they were celiac approved or whatever oh my goodness sorry what oh it's just yeah and you would and it's obviously like a false sense of security for someone that's going into a restaurant and seeing gluten-free they're like oh cool I am a big believer of if it says gluten-free it should be celiac yeah safe gluten-free like I don't think you should be able to label something gluten-free without you know if it m- might contain gluten and you see this on packages still that some people some things are labeled gluten-free on the front you turn it around it says might contain gluten yeah which is actually not okay <laughs> I really don't think it's okay. I do understand that there is there is a larger population of people that are gluten intolerant or have gluten sensitivities. Mm-hmm. And so they are still able to eat it. But it just feels like 
they've got they've gone out of their way to make gluten free, but then have just not gone that little bit extra further to make sure that it's actually safe for celiacs and people with yeah. allergies. And I feel like we should be aiming for the yeah. full. And, uh, Do you know what I mean? Because uh, yeah. someone who's gluten intolerant can eat a celiac yeah exactly piece of food yeah yeah and I agree but it's also something that's kind of like if I share this idea normally on TikTok that I think something labeled gluten-free should be gluten-free I get a lot of angry people saying like what do you want them to do build a whole new kitchen for you (laughs) like no just don't actually don't label (laughs) well yeah firstly that'd be fantastic just for me personally but what I'm saying is I don't think it should be labeled gluten-free maybe use one of those terms like low gluten or I don't like gluten-friendly but yeah it felt like it needed another term yeah like mm. and some things some people like some things are low gluten Mm. which I think also is a problem in its own for new celiacs I see low gluten they might think that's okay like yeah it's just it's never ending (laughs) yeah I've learned so much about cross-contamination because I really didn't understand that at all until I Mm. started chatting to you and just opening my Mm. bubble up a bit Mm. more I guess to like the celiac way of life yeah and there was this restaurant owner in the documentary Hearth Pizza, mm. I think it was mm. called. Perth Pizza. Had a little bit of a lisp there. Um, and he was, his daughter was diagnosed celiac. Mm. And that's when he started to realize the social emotional impact mm. that food has. And then he said the most beautiful line that was music to my ears. And he was like, pizza is very important <laughs> to the way of life. And I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this yes. man knows me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I don't. When he yeah. was saying that gluten or flour, mm. I guess it was more flour, is mm. lives in the air. Oh, yeah. And so when they were like spinning the pizza bases mm. around and doing all of that stuff that they do to pizza bases to make them so delicious, mm. and then they finish the day, they wipe all of the benches clean, like the cl- so clean, you yeah. know, really get into all of the crevices everything yeah. was perfectly spotless they thought you know this is great mm. and then they came back in the morning and there's just a film of yeah. flour still on the bench because it just lives in the air it's just yeah. settled and so how can mm. a kitchen actually be celiac yeah friendly or like celiac proof oh yeah no i know and that i know i totally agree i'm once again very lucky to have a pizza place down the road that's strictly gluten-free but i know that they're apply actually Domino's is not in the good books at the moment because I've taken away their gluten-free pizza during lockdown over here. And I I don't know, a lot of people ate the Domino's gluten-free pizza, I believe, because there's a lot of uproar about it. Yeah, wow. So expensive over there at Domino's oh. compared to here. It's, yeah, it is. It is. Because mm. like, even Pizza Hut has like $5 pizzas and like here they're like £10. Yeah. I don't understand. Like a Domino's is $5 and it should be £2.50 over there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree. (laughs) If I could eat gluten, I totally agree. (laughs) Um, But but I don't know, like, so obviously the CEDAC community quite trusted Domino's, so I don't know what their setup is like. But I personally feel a little bit because of those reasons because of the dough is in the air and like mm. the surfaces that they cook on um I personally don't love getting takeaway pizza 
um, just like just just for risk of cross contamination. Yeah, after watching this documentary, I was like, yeah. mm, this is tricky. Yeah, it is tricky, and I think like there has been time in the past where I have ordered gluten free pizzas from like takeaway places, fast food chains, and like it's just like I've not felt like that. Like I felt like there was cross contamination in it from my symptoms afterwards. Yeah, but once again, I'm just so lucky that there is this beautiful place called Plant Hub that does gluten-free vegan pizzas wow. and they are the most delicious. Like I've, we've talked about and we've talked about in the last podcast with, um, episode with me that Italy does the best gluten-free food. Yeah. Right. The best pizzas. They do it like that. Wow. Like it's just mm, mm, <laughs> Italian words. it's so good and so yeah so I'm very lucky but there is a lot of place and you're right pizza is just such a social food yeah like the the, how it's so (laughs) it's so it's such a bum out when you have to like when everyone's ordering pizza and you've got your wee gluten-free pizza in the oven just cooking by yourself everyone's and I didn't really realize how social pizza was obviously this documentary brought it up but then I was thinking when I was just working in Wellington for mm. the New Zealand Fringe Festival at mm. a lot of their events they had pizza and I was like yeah this because I mean I know that I love pizza <laughs> but I was like kind of confused yeah. that this was such a food but I was like of course this is the perfect food to order and cater for a large event because you Naturally. can just have one slice 100%. and you can get all these different flavors yeah and everyone loves pizza yeah I mean, I mean, at NASDA, there was a film school next next to us, B-School, and they every time that they filmed something and it needed, like, a large cast, it would be, like, 30 pizzas that would yeah. show up eventually. It was always pizza. And I was, like, at that time, I could I thought I could eat gluten, so I was, like, happy as Larry. Yeah. But it, you're right. It's just such a, it's such a useful, like, it can sort of almost cater to a lot of dietary requirements because you're vegetarian, vegan, you can make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a wonder, and it's so delicious. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's just so a good, good. food. <laughs> I loved that the documentary did end on kind of a positive note of how mm. people can move forward if they've been diagnosed with celiac. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what they were saying, I thought, really echoed things that you've said to me or that I've seen you say on Instagram to a lot of mm. your celiac community as well, which I thought was really cool. One of them was that someone was like, how lucky am I? Like, all I have to do for my illness is eat gluten-free. Like, that is so amazing. And I'd never really thought of it like that because a lot of people are always like, oh, you must miss this or you must miss eating pizza. And and this lady was like, no, I'm so lucky that all I have to do is just eat gluten-free and I feel great. Yeah, and they dropped in because they compared it to MS, and they're they like, did. "That's the one you don't want." <laughs> and I'm like, "You're <laughs> a little total, I 100% agree. I know, I know it's a real struggle to completely change your diet, and I know that in lower income areas and people that perhaps don't earn as much money really struggle with having to change mm-hmm. to a gluten free diet because it's so expensive. Yeah, but at the end, the, the, it's ridiculous. But we're just so lucky that this is a treat. We have a treatment, and it's effective treatment, and for me, it's black and white, the quality of life, like from not knowing and having gluten and feeling bloated and never having regular bowel movements, just always constipated or always with diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, and just mentally, I, it's, I'm really looking forward to more research coming out about like the, like 
the sort of more neurological symptoms that you get from celiac disease because I think that's really interesting and not something that's really touched on a lot. There's this really good uh, foundation called Mind Over Gut in New Zealand Mm. and if you're a celiac you might have already heard of this and there's research going on there about like um, managing, I think it sort of covers not just celiac disease but a lot of gastro issues and how it sort of affects your mental state um and you can go and like put your own answers in and oh, read a lot about the information you can also learn there's like oh, it's, it's fantastic and so um yeah i don't know where i was going with that but <laughs> but yeah so you like the quality of life right so from going from such like a always tired probably like i was not really that happy i like it's a bit of a generalization, but I was like lower in mood than I am now to going to no bloating, regular bowel movements, like a so boundless energy compared to before. Yeah. I would have like, I would nap all the time. Now I don't need to nap. And it's just like, I can't put enough importance on how, and like how happy regular bowel movements make yep. me. I just can't, <laughs> I just can't say, like, if someone says to me, like I'm having struggle, like, with constipation I'm like oh my god that's horrible I know how you feel yeah. <laughs> it's literally the worst like I hate it like j- yeah <laughs> but um oh something that in the documentary that they did touch on if anyone is going to go ahead and watch this afterwards um is that they do say that gluten contamination is considered over 20 parts per million I was going but to ask about that because I wasn't too sure whether that was just in America or if that were what that yeah was yeah it's just um that's an actually I'd say probably most of the world has that threshold but in New Zealand and Australia it is either no gluten detected which is sort of equates to under three parts per million um so yeah so yeah if you ever if you were just watching that and you thought hey that's interesting there are different parts different places in the world that have their gluten thresholds at different yeah i don't even know what that's called <laughs> it's different... like parts yeah parts per million yeah the yeah they have different like ratings yeah, a different system a different yeah a different testing system um and it's interesting and i've sort of looked at arguments from both sides like of course there's the thing again with oats mm-hmm. that oats aren't considered gluten-free in new zealand and if you want to hear more about that I'm actually filming a whole video on why oats are gluten-free in the UK but not in New Zealand if you feel like listening (laughs) Uh, I don't know when that will be up but you can look forward to it and it's just so yeah it's just two different really it comes down to two different schools of thought and what scientists have deemed safe and not safe but at the end of the day they're not they're no one's trying to make you sick like it's all it all comes from research and so if it is lower it doesn't mean that someone perhaps in a different country like me eating food that is considered gluten-free because it's 20 parts per million or under that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm contaminating myself because whenever I post (laughs) that I'm eating oats for breakfast in the morning or something which I tend to not do anymore I get a lot of people going like why do you eat oats like that so bad I'm just well that doesn't I'm lucky they're gluten-free it doesn't affect me I didn't realize about it until I moved over here so Mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing gluten-free wrong it's just like if you're following what your country says that you need to do then 
you should feel fine and just know that there are other countries that do slightly different things all in best interest for celiacs yes and it sort of ended with the advice that if you think that you might have celiac disease the best thing to do Mm. is to seek professional medical advice before changing your diet. A hundred percent. That's so important. Which is something that I've definitely heard you say before. (laughs) It's if there was one message that I could get across to people would be that don't change your diet until you've seen your doctor, because then you end up going down a rabbit hole of taking things out of your diet. And then the doctor wants you to put it back in and, sometimes that it, the symptoms will come on more strongly and it's just like you don't want to dedicate six weeks of your life feeling like crap so don't take it out until a doctor tells you to or don't take it out until you've been tested for celiac disease if you know if that's what you want to do and it's also totally okay to suggest to your doctor hey I've heard of celiac disease is this something I could get tested for because it's so easy it's just um, an initial blood test I think they might be changing the way that they diagnose it for me, it was an endoscopy afterwards, a month afterwards. I think for children, they might not do that. I'm not too sure where they are at with adults. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not a difficult process to be diagnosed. And it's better to know so you know how to treat it, so you have access to certain things. Like, I mean, you can get prescription food in New Zealand. I don't know how good it is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've never had the prescription <laughs> food in New Zealand, but it might be particularly helpful if you don't live one in the ma- – live in one of the main centers and there isn't a lot of gluten-free food available to you and you might even get offered a nutritionist like it's just so much better I think it's so much better to know but I also totally understand and it's totally valid if you've cut out gluten and you're like I just can't bring myself to eating gluten again so you're just going to continue following a gluten-free diet like that's totally valid but you like if you can avoid doing that Mm -hmm. then yeah see a doctor first before you do anything did you enjoy the documentary yeah, I did. Like, I really did. I was like nodding along. Mm-hmm. I thought the I really liked that a lot of they were showing that a lot of the gluten free companies always. It, it seems like it's quite a common theme that gluten free companies sprout from someone in someone's family yeah. or like themselves having celiac disease and wanting to make safe products for their family. And I just think that's just really nice. Like it means that most of the gluten-free products you eat that are not like perhaps a supermarket own brand, most of them are because of personal experiences and they want to do this for their family. And I just think that's just the cutest and so sweet because I mean, at the end of the day, no one's really going into, oh, I want to start a company. Let's make it gluten-free for no reason. Like that would be really bizarre. But they were were talking about that um, beer company. Yeah. And that was because like gluten-free craft beer which apparently is only about 10, 10% or was it 1% of them? I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was like it was a really low percentage of the yeah. craft beer community that need Yeah, <laughs> that need gluten-free for, um, gluten-free beer. And but they were doing great and it's just like nice to be able to supply food to, you know, and drink to people that actually really appreciate it. I mean, if anything, <laughs> celiac disease has given me more of a pre- appreciation for food. Like I don't know I no longer go like Oh, a croissant, I'll eat it. I'll go, wow, a gluten-free croissant. How beautiful. I have been blessed on this very good day. <laughs> I will yes. now eat this croissant. <laughs> and that's definitely what one of these ladies being interviewed said. She was yeah. like, I love my life. I'm going to make every bite the best bite Literally. of my gluten-free food. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It's just so sweet. And I just, yeah. So a lot of the companies and like, I've, I follow quite a few little like gluten-free companies on Facebook and it's just so sweet. Like their backstories. It's just, 
and you totally understand and you can totally empathize with them. Interesting, one last point. They touched on ancient grains and ancient wheat. Yeah. I didn't really understand all of that, if I'm completely no, honest with you. Honestly, neither did I. Um, and I thought it was interesting to put that perspective in a gluten-free documentary for celiac disease. Because mm. a lot of the a lot of the time some misconceptions come from ancient grains, like actually you should be able to eat this ancient grain because ancient grains don't have gluten in them. Which are true for some things, like this lady but I could not tell. I could not tell if it actually was gluten-free because no, it was like... because then it kind of ended... Yeah, <laughs> it was really vague. Yeah, and it ended with like her being like, oh, well, it doesn't affect my daughter, so we're just going to continue living like yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but wait, is it gluten-free? Yeah, I have no idea. I should have Googled this, but if it's, what's it called? If you listener have heard of Aincorn, Aincorn, what was it? Yeah. I can't remember. I can write it down so I can't remember, but it, well, that rings a bell. Yeah, and it was like a ancient wheat that did not contain gluten and that's what they use and that I think they sell pasta I believe I saw a lot of their pasta mm, being made yeah but it's still wheat and it was a, yeah it was an interesting point and not necessarily something that proves that you can just eat ancient grains and you'll be fine um yeah. I think it was very specific and had done a lot of testing but also I'd be interested to know if you had a wheat allergy <laughs> I don't think you'd be able to eat it and no. that comes under the trifecta of the three main gluten gluten sensitivity wheat allergy and celiac disease yeah that but was a bit strange that that was included in it was because it didn't strange. say gluten-free on their packaging it just said organic wheat certified organic yeah something. exactly yeah. and i think organic is a bit of an yeah as we've said like it's a bit of a problematic word mm-hmm. when it comes to food and allergies because it doesn't necessarily mean you can have it but it might mean other people think you can have it other people serve it to you you know, like it can be its own mm. issue. But yeah, it was an interesting. It was an interesting point. Uh, we'll have to Google more about angle. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I wrote it down like how I thought I'd say it, and I don't know how to say yeah. even that word. <laughs> Would you recommend this documentary to people with and without celiac disease? Definitely to people with celiac disease. It might just be good just to watch. Uh, might be you might already know most of the stuff in it. It won't be too surprising to you, but it's also always nice to have a gluten-free documentary to watch um, anyway. And you might, like, for me, now I'm now I'm going to be following the two researchers on it because I think their work's really interesting. It's, it'll be very good if you're a new celiac and you're like, what's going on here? Um, it's a very practical outlook on having celiac disease. It's not too deeply scientific. Like, you're not absolutely boggled yeah. with like scientific words or anything at all but really good perhaps to show your family <laughs> yes it definitely broke things down in very like easy yeah. to digest language which was yes. good yeah I think it's really good for anyone that wants to understand a little bit more about celiac disease I f- yeah I found it I found it fascinating what would you rate it how many stars out of five out of five mm-hmm. oh no um let me have a think I feel like I could, like in terms of it being a gluten-free documentary where it's very concise, clear, and interesting to watch, five out of five. It, you couldn't get like a better, more well-packaged documentary about celiac disease. In terms of cinematography. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean... I'm leaning towards a three and a half. Yeah, yeah I was like, the, um, the voiceover <laughs> was a bit... 
strange and dramatic um and the the uh the shots of wheat over and over again just like fields of wheat i was gonna be like that could be like potentially very traumatic <laughs> for celia this is like this is such weird b-roll but um <laughs> but so in terms of that maybe like a two so it would average out at a three and a half but the content was really yeah. good the artistic side yeah. of it it's a documentary what do we say like it's yeah and it's free actually Actually, i forgot to say that at the beginning it's free it's the link for it is in the show notes so feel free to go and watch it it's just on vimeo so yeah Yeah. and let me know what your thoughts would be about it as well because i'd be interested to hear what you thought i don't i would like to figure out when it was shot because they when they were interviewing that lady they said celiac disease was the most underdiagnosed disease in the united states and i just i don't know if that's still true or yeah I know a lot of people have it but it was interesting that they thought like no one had it and then they're like oh actually one percent of the population has it yeah which is wild that's so many people yeah oh (laughs) did you hear Lincoln yeah I did I loved it (laughs) I don't know what he's yelling at me for he's had his breakfast come here yeah so I think it is 2017 because it was uploaded onto Vimeo four years ago Okay, cool. I would definitely settle on a three and a half stars. Sorry, if you can now hear my cat purring into the microphone. <laughs> He's just come to sit on my lap. <laughs> I love that. He's such a pain. Yeah, definitely Well, watch it. thank you so much, Morgan, for chatting about this documentary with me. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been a pleasure. Hey. And also really cool to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> my cat... Um, Sorry, for the people listening at home, my cat is just walking all over me trying to pull out my headphones. Um, He's got his butt in my face at the moment. (laughs) He's decided to make it all about him and has decided he needs attention now. (laughs) Yeah, so we better sign off this chat. We definitely should. All right. Well, thank you so much, Morgan. It's no problem. I'm here anytime you want to talk about gluten-free life. And that was the first episode of the That's So series. Don't forget that on the last Tuesday of every month, there will be more episodes just like this. If you have a suggestion of a book, film, podcast episode, or literally anything to consume and chat about, or if you would like to join me on one of these episodes, head to the show notes to find out how to get in touch. There's also a new option here at That's So Chronic to leave a voice note. And an upcoming episode is all about celebrities speaking publicly about their medical things. So I would love to hear what you think about that. As always, don't forget to subscribe, follow, review, and connect over on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic. Your support really helps That's So Chronic get into more ears around the world. So thank you. You. 